welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Hey, uh, the, the passage we're going to read is from Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read this to you. Um, if you want to just close your eyes or if you want to read it with me on the, sta- uh, on the screen, it's there. But Joshua chapter 1, it says this. This is what I'm going to anchor our teaching in today. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will expand from the desert of Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Grab a seat. We've been in a vision series. I've been talking about... um, the theological vision we have as a church that's been formed through scripture. That the things we do as a church has a why behind it. That the things we pursue, the resources we spend, the energy we want to give your attention to, the way we organize people and programs and ministries at the church comes from a theological vision. There is a deeply seated agenda behind what we're doing. I talk to pastors all the time. Why do you do things the way you do it? What's the philosophy of ministry you have? And many people don't have a philosophy. They've been handed a rule book from a tradition or a playbook from a successful program somewhere else. But I need you to know, because of Pastor Bill Doctrum and the classes that I took at Vanguard University, I can't help myself but say, what does scripture teach? How do we take our view of God and our theology of God and apply it to the church biblically? How do we form an ecclesiology is the word that structures our missiology, that enforces our missiology? What structures do we put in place behind the revelation of the spirit of God? This is why we have a vision as a church. Our vision, you've heard it on earth as it is in heaven. It's very simple. It's the prayer that Jesus prayed that we see a theme from Genesis to Revelation, this kingdom dynamic that God's kingdom is extended on earth as it is in heaven. He is trying to bring about what he originally created in Genesis to come to pass in Revelation 22, that God's way of life would be manifested and experienced and reality 
right now. And we know that there are places where God's reality is not yet come. We know where there's hunger, where there's poverty, where there's a fatherlessness, where there's human trafficking, where there's homelessness, injustice, pain, and suffering. God's way of life has not been manifested there. Would you agree? But when heaven comes, there will be no more poverty. There will be no injustice. There will be no pain. There will be comfort. There will be no more tears. This is the promise we have. And so our task is to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So we say in Long Beach, as it is in heaven. And we say uh, in Seal Beach, as it is in heaven. We say in Lakewood, as it is in heaven. We say in Huntington Beach, as it is in heaven. In Cerritos, as it is in heaven. In Costa Mesa, in Lomita, in Fullerton, in Los Angeles County, in Orange County, in California, on earth, as it is in heaven. So what this means is in our homes, as it is in heaven. In our workplaces, as it is in heaven. In our schools, as it is in heaven. In our neighborhoods, do you get it? In my life, as it is in heaven. This is what we're training you as disciples. So as a church, we believe this is the vision that we're called to. And then we have four anchors we've been teaching through the last four weeks. That we're, we're a church that built, has built four primary vehicles to get us to become the kinds of people that walk around the world with this vision. And that, that comes through formation, through God's presence through mission and community. These four things integrate and work together to enable us as a community to become the kinds of people. We are trying as a church to form an environment where you will naturally become this kind of person that bring about God's kingdom on earth. Are you with me? So you've heard us talk about formation, discipleship, living the way of Jesus, God's presence, living out of the spirit of God, naturally supernatural lifestyle living on mission for God's purposes in the world and living in community as God's new family where now we have new ties together. We don't uh, just attend a church. We are church. We don't shop church or quit based on our preferences. We are committed and covenant to one another as family. This is what we're called into. Now, I want to just give you um, an encouraging passage. I only have one more page of notes, just so you know. So we're going to be quick, all right? Um, I see that. I see it. I feel it. Let me just make sure I have my, my thing here. Here we go. Oh, it's getting hot already. I started this series talking about, I want to I do one more word of encouragement, a text from Joshua to give us wisdom on how to build the expanding kingdom. What is the strategy to expand God's kingdom in partnership with him. What I started with when we started our series is I've been casting vision from the way the story began. I, I said, the way a story begins shapes the story you are telling. So if you were to read a story and it starts with once upon a time, you know it's a fairy tale, right? Or if you're watching a Disney story, the parents die in the beginning. I hate to give it away, but that's basically it. You know it's a Disney story. That's yeah, terrible. It's true. I just hate. I don't know why. It's just the way it is. You can't watch it. I'm like, all right, we're going to watch the classics, Bambi. No, not going to watch Bambi. I'm going to deal with the trauma of Bambi. <laughs> or if it's in a galaxy far, far away, we know it's the greatest story ever told other than the gospel story, of course. Um, I've been talking about the way we started as a church because I want us to remember I want us to remember, I want us to remember how, I took a picture, 87 degrees in this room. 
we were there for the 87 degree day. Remember when? Because one day we're going to be in a space of our own. Amen. One day we're going to have 24 seven access to a space and we're not going to remember what it was like to set up and tear down, to have ACs that didn't work. We're going to have this luxury and abundance. And like the Old Testament, the Old Testament is written so that people of God won't forget. It's not about the, it's not about the promised land. It's about the presence. It's not about the luxury or the abundance. It's about becoming people formed by God himself and obedience to his way. I want to remember where we came from because our story is beautiful and where we go, we got, to rem- we got to tell it. Some of you were there in the beginning. We were in a nightclub. Before that, we were in a basement and there's all these things we did. It was beautiful. But I got to tell you one story real quick. This church started because of a prayer time in London because I stood up and closed my eyes like this and some random dude read my mail and I was filled with the Holy Spirit in a random prayer in a basement in an obscure church in central London. And that pastor prayed over me and he said things that I didn't have categories for. Words of knowledge, prophecy. He talked about my future and he said Joshua 1, 6 through 9 verbatim. Be strong and courage. You're going to lead people into the promise. He was prophesying that this is something I needed to understand. It was crazy. It was this interaction. I didn't know what to do. Came home a few months later. A man named Mike Pilavachi, also from the UK, was ministering to our staff at Rock Harbor. I was just a glorified intern, 22 years old. No, no real responsibility other than getting coffee for the other pastors and setting up chairs. True story. Admin assistant, essentially, to the missions pastor but I had hopes for a future. He, he grabs me. He's got 75 people in the room. He pulls me aside. He says, I'm supposed to spend the rest of the time praying for you. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Who am I, Lord? He prays all the same things that the other pastor prayed. I literally thought they talked to each other. Joshua 1, 6 through 9. I go to this random church in South County. It was a crazy charismatic church, like the crazy one. Right, the guys up and down the aisles and doing all these things. And it was nuts. I was like, this is crazy. Lord, and I was a good Bible reader. I, I was exegesis. I was like, God, if this is real, here's my fleece. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things. There was like six things actually, not eight. I don't want to exaggerate the story. I had a lot. All of them. He does all. Praise for my friend who was, I wrote it down. Pray for this guy I brought who needs the Lord. Pray for my wife. She was going through a season. Praise for my wife. Praise for this other guy that I brought. All of them are getting rocked. I said, okay, have them know that I'm called to plant a church in Long Beach and have them show me how to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Does all of those things. He shuts his mic off and he says, I know you're testing the Lord. I know you're called to plant a church, so get up and let me show you how to do this. And I literally started praying over people for the first time. It was insane. And then he pulls me aside and says, God says, Joshua 1, 6 through 9. At this point, I got, God has my attention, right? And then I go to another mutual friend, Chris Veden, right? At the time, he was leading Southlands. He had campus at Hope International University. I go to this random Sunday night service. He sees a crew of friends, including my brother. He pulls us uh, up front to pray for us. He comes up and he prophesies Joshua 1, 6 through 9. I finally was like, I get it. I get it. Something about this passage is required of me. But then I bring this up, not to talk about me. I bring it up because I have been praying for lots of people in the last several months. And it seems like I can't help myself but pray this passage over people. So I believe the Lord's getting our attention that this is a season of Joshua's. 
This is a season where we as the church, I said this in the beginning when I interrupted, I talked about Joshua 3. God's going to disrupt our comforts and reestablish convictions. God's going to uh, uh, cause us to repent from compromise and move us towards consecration that we're going to have to live from a place of renewed faith. I believe the Lord this week, he was saying, this is a season of Joshua. We have to be ready. And I just want to say, I feel like the thing we need for what's coming in the future is Joshua 1, 6 through 9. And I believe in this is a strategy for us to expand God's kingdom. So let me just give you a couple of thoughts. You guys good with that? Joshua 1, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, by the way, in case you didn't know, Moses' assistant. Joshua's book begins with the death of the greatest leader in Israel's history. Let's just put that on your resume. Moses' assistant. His story begins with the most epic guy in the history of Israel, the guy that parted the Red Sea, the guy that confronted Pharaoh, the son of God, that brought 10 plagues, the guy that brought manna, the guy that touched the rock and water came out, the, that guy. And now it's another person's turn to lead. It's a new generation with the history of the revival of old. Are you with me? Something's required of Joshua, this new leader. There's this new leader who starts as an assistant. In Numbers chapter 11, you see the humanity of Joshua. Other people are prophesying. And he goes to Moses and he says, hey, Moses, those guys are prophesying. Tell them to stop. And Moses is like, no, I want everyone to prophesy. He, he, Moses speaks about the future coming of the Holy Spirit. I want everyone to prophesy on all men and women. I want the Holy Spirit. That's what he says in Numbers 11. Exodus 33, you get a glimpse of the inner life of this assistant to Moses. When uh, the glory of the Lord showed up in the tent, Moses meets face to face. And it says a little side note, by the way, Moses goes back to tell the people what he heard. But, uh, but Joshua stayed in the tent meeting where the presence of God dwelt. He just stayed there and communed with God. Deuteronomy 31, Moses commissions him. Deuteronomy 34, it says, a spirit of wisdom came upon Joshua. So we know Joshua is the, is the new leader for the new time, for a new generation, for a new task. His task, according to the scriptures, is to take the people of God into the promised land, to do the thing that was promised to Abraham 400 and something years ago, and now they're gonna occupy their destiny. It's not just something they're preparing for. They're about to do the thing. They've been dreaming, telling stories, preparing for this moment where God would give them this rest. And from this rest, they would have homes and they would plant gardens and they'd have vineyards and they'd have kids and grandkids. They'd have a legacy. And from this rest, this land, they would represent God to the rest of the world. And Eden would continue to be established on earth as it is in heaven. Are you guys with me so far? So what are the strategies for leading into the future from this text? All right, I, I think this is what God shows. Number one, um, Joshua chapter one. Let me read this passage one more time. Verse Verse five, it says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me just say, number one thing that we need to understand, what does it mean to live into the future? Number one is God's presence is everything. God's presence is with us. That the thing we have to go understand is God is with you. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter what giants you face in the land. It doesn't matter that the first place when you cross the river is gonna be a fortified city and you're gonna have to learn to obey his voice and you're not gonna pick up your sword. You're gonna walk around around with a trumpet because it doesn't matter about you. It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. It doesn't matter how much scarcity you have, how much fear you have. It matters that God is with you, period, end of the story. It's how it begins and how it, it's how it's going to end. And uh, history is moved by men and women who live and understand the presence of God is with them. You're going to a new school, a new college that's known for its, uh, the, uh, its philosophy that challenges Christianity. It doesn't matter. He's with you. It does not matter. The presence of God is with you. The future leader needs to understand that you have access to the divine. With boldness, with courage, with audacious faith, you can approach the Holy of Holies through Jesus. God is with you. What does this mean? Oh my goodness. It reminds me yesterday I was at the, I was surfing with my boys and they are, um, they are terrified of stingrays, right? I got hit a couple years ago and ever since they're like, hey, is this place, you know, does this have stingrays? I used to say, no, it doesn't have stingrays. Like, but I stopped blind. I can't lie to them. I'm like, yeah, there's stingrays. Is it more than the other place? Maybe. <laughs> you know what to do, right? You know what to do. You're going to shuffle, right? You're just going to shuffle. This is the way, if you ever want to know how to get rid of stingrays, this is the, this is the courageous act. You just shuffle your feet, right? Or you, so I taught him that it doesn't matter. You know, it's interesting. What happens? They're ter- they don't want to go in the water. Daddy, will you come with me? Yeah, I'll go. Something about my presence in the water. Do I have any power over the stingrays availability, accessibility to my boys? None whatsoever. <laughs> But it's the fact that I'm standing with them in the water that their fear subsides. Do you know God's with you? Number two, how are we going to lead into the future? It says over and over again in this passage, be strong and courageous. Now, let me just highlight something with you. Um, It does not stay, hey, as leaders, feel strong and courageous. No, no, no. What's required of leaders in the future is not to feel a certain way. It's to be a certain way. I tell them this all you can ha- You can be afraid, but you're not called to feel uh, courageous, to feel strong. You just have to be it. And this is why we challenge that voice in our head that wants us to hide, that wants us to hold back, to wants to, <laughs> the voice in our head wants to be concerned. Think about this. This is crazy. Lean in. The voice in our head wants us to concern ourselves with what people think of us. Could you imagine? Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and he invites you to establish his reign everywhere you go. And you're concerned about what people think about you? Do you get the sarcasm coming out of my voice right now? We are called to kill that voice that wants us to make us afraid, wants us to feel anxious and concerned and worried about other people. I'm preaching right now. Let's go. There's going to be giants. There's going to be fortified cities. There's going to be an impossible task. We don't need to feel 
the things. We need to be it. We live in a culture of fear, a culture that says um, that's becoming more and more okay with things that are the opposite of Christianity. We're in a culture right now where I believe I've been saying this. There's so much demonic activity. We're used to it. Just look at the shows to see the kind of demonic desensitization we have going on right now. Like, I love Marvel. I watch all the shows, and I was talking to my kids today about the fact that there, are, there, are, there is real evil in the world, and Halloween is a time where people glorify, you know, this type of evil. We want to dress up and have fun, but there are people that actually don't realize there's real powers working against the way of God. So I want, to, I want them to have cultural discernment. I'm not protecting them from the world, but I'm, I'm, I'm wanting them to know that there are powers in the world we have to be aware of. We don't need to be afraid of it. We need to be courageous within it. Are you with me? Yes. Number three, I'm going to hurry. There's only five, so we're almost done, and they'll be quick. I know you're like, go, go longer, but it's not for you. It's for my sake. My pants are sweaty. and <sighs> All right, here we go. Uh, obedience. It says, uh, I love this passage, be strong, verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left. That way you may be successful wherever you go. Our success, our prosperity is built on our obedience. And I wanna say, we live in a generation right now that's trying to make black and white areas gray. Mm, Not PC. I want you to please hear me. We live in a moment where we want to blend the things that are true. We want to move the boundary lines that God has given us and established at creation. And it's causing confusion and and chaos and disappointment and brokenness and anxiety. And we're saying the reason you're anxious is this. And I just have to say, we have to have a courageous fidelity to Scripture. We have to obey. Oh, I don't know what I should do in this situation. Well, what did scripture already command you to do back here? Obey this word. Obey the words of the Lord that have already been written. And in that life, that Psalm 1 lifestyle, that ecosystem of blessing and favor, abundance and a prosperity is a, is a life that is rooted and established in the truth and the words of God. John chapter 14, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Obedience is about love, about love. It's about stepping into the things of God. What's our playbook for the future? It's obeying the words of the Lord that he's already given us in the scriptures. How are we doing, church? You wanna sit with that one for a second? What are the the gray areas of your life that you've you've allowed yourself to kind of skirt the issue because, well, other people have bigger issues than this, right? And what, what you have to understand is in the church, there's no shame. Shame is gone. That's the enemy's tool. We are free from shame. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So we get to step into this journey with Christ as saints who are holy. And then we need to reorganize our life around the word of God and remain obedient to his word. So prosperity, success, strategy for the future. Yes, God's presence, he's with us. Be strong and courageous. 
Let's be obedient to his words. Some of us have allowed, the, to, we've bent the morality of the word of God because of our desires and pleasures. We found loopholes and we need to repent. All right, number four, I love this one. It says to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. There it is again. Success is connected to not just our obedience, not just God's presence with us, but our ability to meditate, which is the Hebrew word uh, for um, hegah, which is the word is translated to growl. In Isaiah 31, verse four, it says the lion or the young lion Hagah over its prey, it growls. Or um, it also is this Hebrew word for a dog gnawing on its bone. It's to declare, it's to, to growl, it's to say out loud. It's not some yoga instructor meditating in the corner, humming a silent thing. It's to be active in the word of God, to, to, to chew on the word of God so that you're constantly thinking about it. Dallas Willer talks about how he would never attend a church that didn't believe memorization of scripture is a priority. He says it's the most important spiritual discipline, the medita- uh, not the meditation, the memorization. So when you think about meditating, it is memorizing. It's getting the word in you. It's knowing it. It's chewing on it. It's living from it. And, and what's interesting about this is when you meditate, what you're doing is you're building neural pathways of scripture in your brain. We're bulldozing toxic uh, brain neural pathways and we're relaying a foundation in our, in our brain chemistry that is God's word in our life. Right now, so many of you have a, have a highway in your brain that is simply a highway to fear and anxiety because you've been trained by culture to go down that route. And what God wants to do today is to be give, you, give you tools and give you new highways in your brain that lead to faith, that lead to joy, that disrupt despair and hopelessness and move you into a new place. The partnership you have with grace in your life, the partnership you have with the Holy Spirit is to meditate on the word, memorize scripture, allow those brain neural pathways to be reformed. I love what uh, Carol, Dr. Caroline Leaf says. She says, neural pathways, God has designed the frontal lobe of our brains precisely to do this, to handle his thought projects. This perspective is highlighted in the message version of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. We need new neural pathways that are strong and courageous, that are obedient because we've meditated on the Lord. Lastly, I'll end with this one thing which I talked about two weeks ago in my, um, in my sermon, which was, what do you need for this next season? What's the strategy? Well, we need faith. Yes, we need, we need to know God's with us. We need to be strong and courageous. We don't have to feel it. We need to live in obedience. We need to meditate on the Lord. But in this next season, I believe our church needs to step into a new season of faith. We need to recognize that the promised lands that we step into, the future we step into will have obstacles, territories, giants we have never seen before. 
And we can't keep saying, well, the faith we had through COVID is going to sustain us into this next season. No, it's time for new faith. We need new routines, new habits. We need to disrupt the comforts and step into this next season. Remember, faith is that word, hope, trust, believe, relaxing in. We need to position ourselves in a way where we lean on the Lord for what's next. Where we're not passive, we're active that we know God's presence is with us. We know his power is here to empower us so we can be strong and courageous. We know we're called to obey. We're called to meditate. But most of all, we need the followers of Jesus to step out of the boat into the water. We need to step into the waters that need to be parted because we are leading God's people into the promised land. And I believe this next season is about joyful obedience into new territories, new domains, new spheres, and it's gonna be a season of joy and breakthrough. I'm saying this as, as a little prophetic utterance to you. We need to hold on to the breakthrough. I am hearing so many testimonies of breakthrough this season. Miraculous pregnancies, miraculous healings, miraculous job opportunities, miraculous financial breakthrough. I am hearing all these stories. And brothers and sisters, I just want to fan the flame like it's 90 degrees in here. Let's imagine, oh wait, we don't have to imagine that. I want us to recognize that there's a furnace stirring for the things of God and it's right now. So this is it. God's with you. Be strong, be courageous, live in obedience, meditate on God's word and reform your neural pathways towards faith and live with faith. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.